AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Today I'm delighted to have on the show Roman. And Roman is the head of data science at Sinai.ai. Roman, welcome, welcome to the AI in Action podcast. Hi, nice to nice that you invite me. Thanks. Oh, great to have a great to have an exciting Berlin startup on the on the show. So before we go a little bit into Sinai, Roman, tell us a little bit about your background. And then we'll sort of go into cyanide and where you are today. Sure. So after the school directly, I started with psychology um, because I was, uh, yeah, as a lot of people after their high school, interested in a lot of human perception. But I realized I was missing kind of the maths in it um, because I liked statistics most. And that showed me somehow it was not really the right thing for me. So then I went into... Um, electrical engineering, uh, computer engineering for my undergraduate, which I uh, finished um, already on a thesis in psychoacoustics, which somehow brought in this psychology thing again. Um, And I did that um, in an international semester in in Porto, um, where I found the sound and music reputation group where I could finish my, my thesis at. Um, and at that point, with my supervisor, Matthew Davies, there, shout outs to him. Um, I really got into this um, MIR thing, music information retrieval um, thing that interested me a lot. So if there's a music information retrieval, um, it's mostly like analyzing music from a computer perspective in general. And I decided to go to Berlin for my master's in audio communication, which I also mainly focused on um, machine learning, MIR related topics. Um, I finished my master's three years ago by now. Then uh, in addition to that, I started a PhD, um, also at the audio communication group um, with a topic of Um, making emotion-related MIR, music emotion recognition, um, which is done by Deep Neural Networks Explainable. Um, So my my research topic is mainly deciphering neural networks that are trained on music emotion. And yeah, that is actually what what brought me to to Cyanide um, at that moment, because I was uh, looking for data sets that uh, connected music uh, and emotion labels. So I was looking for companies that had that because there was not a lot of academic um, material on that that was, would be sufficient for um, real deep learning tasks. And uh, at that time, I found a young startup two years ago, um, which was called, or which is still called GrooveCat, which is an app where people can um, save their music moments so they can record 
um, videos on their smart devices um, and capture moments where they listen to music and they think, okay, the music fits perfectly to the situation. Then tag it with an emotion, something like an Instagram, where you give feedback also on the emotion that you have. And, and obviously they had a lot of data that was not ever touched by any data scientists and they, they were also interested in like having it analyzed and we decided on doing something like a small project together back then and yeah it worked out really well um, training models with their data um, so we had somehow um, managed a spin-off from from that uh, startup which is now called cyanide AI um, which is basically yeah, uh, in general, music analysis based on, on deep learning. Um, and by now we have a company with 11 um, workers and yeah, been kind of growing over the last years with that. It's really cool. Um, I, I think, look, it's, it's pretty interesting because there's not been a lot done in the in the audio space i mean when you compare it to the to the areas like text and and uh, computer vision um i suppose there's, there's still a lot more to be uncovered uh and for me look i would i would listen to stuff a lot more than i would definitely when it comes to uh when it comes to text like what 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 kind of made you go into go into music you know it's it hasn't exactly. It's not exactly the the up and coming area of AI right now. But I know I'm seeing a lot of stuff come through now, like people even talking about GANs when it comes to music, and that could be potentially be applied to to the video uh, video gaming industry then as well. Like what what's what's your motivations? Um, yeah, I guess uh, like for the the most of the people who work in music information retrieval, it's just a passion about music, I guess, uh, because I. Um, I realized um, at a certain point that, I mean, my, my passion for music was always there and uh, like that has been a major part of my life always. And I'm also like, um, apart from my job, I'm, uh, I have a, a label as well, music, uh, music label, electronic music. Um, I'm DJing as well. So that, that is just the thing that I really like. Um, and for me, it was when I saw that I could actually combine working with pattern recognition everything that order related material it was like kind of kind of obvious for me that i had to go in that direction so it was not a really a choice of like okay this is the thing where we have to go to when it comes to deep learning i rather more came into the whole deep learning thing because of music um, and that's why i'm there and it's true also that there, there is not like the big money in it i guess like it would be in huge data mining when it comes to text and legal tech and so on but yeah i mean i can live from it and it's uh, perfect for me because it's just uh, the thing that interests me most how did you what was the journey um like then at starting cyanide.ai you know you mentioned there was like a lot not done before in this you had a lot of this data mm -hmm. where did you begin um, and how did you go from groovecat to become cyanide I would imagine there was a lot of uh, a, a lot of tough tough yards put in in the early stages. Was mm -hmm. One uh, labeling the data yourself would be pretty hard. Or how did you even get the data to begin with? Then too. Um, yeah, that's a that's a very interesting point. I mean, the, the starting point was really that 
there was actually a fair amount of data available because from that app GrooveCat there were like music um, connected with video that was labeled uh, with emotion by the users. So we actually had that data that connected video, music and emotion. Um, and I was just in the beginning super excited because I had the models that I tried to train with academic uh, data and which turned out to be insufficient for that and was just super happy to have a data set that was um, properly sized for that. So in the beginning there was not so much task of, of tagging the stuff itself and I built my first uh, um, networks based on that data. Um, there was some trade-off um, which I didn't see in the first uh, place but that made sense basically which was that there was a lot of emotionally labeled data on positive emotions and not so much or almost none on, on negative because it makes sense from a, a social network that GrooveCat is where people like upload stuff um, like they do on Facebook and Instagram and they, they share moments of course like no one's taking a, a video of a funeral or something where they're super sad and uh, so there was not a lot of like aggressive labels or sad labels that were rather like party mood and so on so we had to do I can I can imagine it just being full of party chill yeah, exactly this is two genres yeah and I was like mm, uh, maybe this is not like it worked really well on that data but there was not it, it didn't cover the full emotion that music can grab so we had to um, label some data ourselves also to gather some more data from other sources put together data there and so in the beginning, it was like building models in these positive emotions, which turned out to work well. Um, then gathering a little more data also with, with other emotions that were not so representative. And uh, we just um, thought about how, to, how we can generate more data. So it was also a lot of like really this thought of how can we get data. Also collaborating with uh, people who have larger music catalogs um, and offering them models. Um, in return for data or so. So there were different thoughts on that. And um, yeah, finally, back then, the, um, the team of GrooveCat showed the, the results to the investors and they were really excited about it. And uh, from that stage on, um, it, yeah, just came to the point that we focused more on, 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 on uh, focusing our sales side more on this AI product. Um, and then it really became building models all the time, also based on genre, also based on what we have now. We're currently working on, on a decade classifier that will tell you which decade the music is from. Um, that, and apart from that, it, one very major part uh, as well that um, I think somehow separates us as well from, from competitors is that we set up um, a similarity search for music which you can imagine like like a Google for music where you upload a track and you get similar results from our database. Uh, so based on the, the learned features that we get from the models that we train them on, we can filter out char characteristics of a track that people search for and, and, and use that for, for similarity. I've, I have a question for you on that. So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm a big fan of Spotify. Mm -hmm. um, it does my dailies, you know, my daily songs. Um, 
I, sometimes I just feel that that recommends uh, songs from the same genre because some of them are just absolutely nothing like the music I listen to. Mm-hmm. Is that user kind of looking to have something that's going to be genre, mood, and you know maybe tempo be a little bit more to it and, and make those sort of matches? Uh, exactly. So what we're currently using for a similarity search is using features from, from different models, uh, which is mostly mood and genre related, and we're also focusing on, on the sound itself. Um, uh, we are currently also working on, on an option that you can actually filter the, the similarity search by, by um, the taxonomy that you want. So you could uh, choose uh, similar music from a lim- similar mood or sim- music from a similar genre. And as soon as we include more models to that similarity search, um, the plan is really to, to have um, give the choice to the user what they want to base their similarity on. So if it's if it's rather on if they want to listen to what their friends also listen to or what people usually listen to if they listen to the music that you are actually listening to or if you want something completely different from another genre but that has the same mood profile, for instance. Yeah. So uh, we're I trying to get a little beyond that uh, typical uh, recommendation. You know, I think something that would be would be helpful is, uh, you know, whenever you go back to a party and everyone's like, oh, let me pick a song and everyone's going forward and back. Just go in, put in three songs and then generate a playlist related to those three songs and leave exactly, it. Exactly. You don't have to go back. Yeah. So you, you mentioned about um, the similarity measures and, and building up, up the recommendations. So you mentioned a little bit about, about the features um, that are learned on the, on the neural networks. How did you go about training those neural networks to understand those features? And I suppose, in your opinion, without maybe telling me too much, you know, what do you think is the success or what has been the challenges and what worked well and what what hasn't worked well? And how does it work differently in music and audio than it would in text or vision? Yeah, I think one of the, the, the major issues about music itself is, is that it is very subjective when it comes to perception. Uh, especially if you see it uh, from the uh, from the side of the emotional um, affection that a person has from it, uh, because text is kind of clear. Uh, of course, if you go into a more more uh, fine arts text like poems um, or so, that it might be different. But music is itself something that is very abstract. Um, and then, if you don't uh, analyze it in terms of BPM or key, which is even key is some kind of discussable from a musicological sense, but um, it's it's way more objective than, for instance, mood is. So um, I think one major question of the whole um, analyzing music regarding emotion is is always that you somehow have to limit down the dimensionality when when it comes to uh, emotions that can be predicted, because one might uh, understand a track as sad, whereas the other would say it's, it's bittersweet or it has some beautifulness in it. Uh, so um, one major task if it comes to emotion is definitely building up a taxonomy that is making sense, one, in a musicological sense, then in a sense of how what, what the data you have, and then also what um, can be seen as a general perception of music. So if I see, if I have a track that is 
very aggressive, it will most likely not also be seen as chilled. So you have to somehow set up um, classes that are not overlapping that much, because that is something that is going to confuse, um, at least if you build categoric classifiers, that's going to be confusing a lot to the machine. Can, yeah. can I ask you a question? Is there not something as well, um, and I know music actually plays a, a big part in movies, so you know mm -hmm. maybe could be something that is a making recommendations for movies the end of comedy movies you'll always see they play a big upbeat lifting tune and that's because at the end of the movie they want you leaving the oh do you know what that movie was great it made me feel good um, exactly, yeah. are you sort of representing those links into it then as well definitely i mean this is this is um basically the point i was i was heading towards with with, with what i was saying because what we can give is uh, to give recommendations or like predictions on, on how the emotion would probably be for a majority of people and that would really be using music as a tool. Um, so that is something that goes a lot into the direction of film music as you mentioned and it's interesting that you mentioned that because that is one of our customers um, that is mainly doing film music uh, but then it's also going towards production music which is basically music for films or music that you can use for your YouTube videos or um, whatever. It's, it's something that um, you want music to have a clear expression with. So, um, and that is also rather, I would say, how we see our uh, mood classifier. It, it's not supposed to be something that exactly explains you how you have to perceive music, but it rather is something that tells you what most people would think the music make them feel okay so do you see the potential next step of this or the next capability is is that i would imagine it costs a lot of money to to get a bruno mars song as a end credits in your movie faces songs are pretty uplifting Where, how how far away are we uh you know getting gans to produce uplifting music to suit it based on i don't know maybe taking in the previous audio before the end of the movie as or maybe even combining the audio and the video to predict a, a best outcome end track from mood. Well, there's, there's, I think there's two different um, questions that you're asking with that. Um, I would like to first maybe focus on the question of generation of music with guns, which is done uh, right now as well, and which is working surprisingly well. Um, like. I have in mind, for example, Databots, if you know them, they're also from Berlin. Um, they have been uh, building up, I hope I don't say something wrong now, but I think they have built a radio that, or a classified, a GAN, a neural network that produces 24-7 uh, grindcore music or something like that, which is really interesting and somehow really amazing, also from an artistic point of view. There is definitely a lot going on in, in, in that terms. I think it's not quite there. Um, we are not quite there. If you say you want this uplifting Bruno Mars song, build me another one. That replaced. Exactly like you, that. You exactly want it replaced. You replaced. Uh, I want to spend less money, but I want as good quality. That is definitely something that, that um, a lot of people are currently working on. It's not so much our focus because we're more on the analysis side, but it's definitely something that is coming and it's also something that needs the analysis side for first understanding what it's doing but it's a super interesting task uh, for, for sure. 
Um, the next thing that you mentioned is um, the, the thought of having video um, connected to the whole thing. That is actually something we have, we are already doing. Uh, we have an app that is called Cyanide Play, where you can record video and get music emotions based on that. So we are already trying, or we are actually doing that already. We are already combining these, these things. Um, but then you have to separate what is the outcome you want. Is it a new track that is newly generated just for you? Or is it a recommendation that you get that would exactly fit the whole thing? And if you, for example, say, I want the Bruno Mars song, but I cannot afford it for my video, what you can, for instance, do in that, that is also like something that we are offering to the customers we have, um, that you use our search for um, uh, production music uh, catalogs, for instance, that will give you, um, if the catalog is big enough, uh, which is the case in a lot of cases, um, exactly the, a song that will, that is produced already, that actually does sound a lot like the song that you're looking for, so that you can find a cheaper alternative for that. With that then as well, uh, one of the big topics now is explainable AI and you know understanding mm -hmm. your black boxes. Uh, how do you demist audio neural networks um, as a black box you know what, what do you need to work towards to, to make it an explainable AI what I what I um, have worked with mainly so far and what I have also had very good experience with so far um, is applying computer science that has been developed for image recognition um, and to to use that or apply that directly to audio that is also, basically what um, audio classification is, is mainly uh, built of is applying CNNs or CRNNs that have been actually built for um, analyzing um, image data or video data um, and that work very well on audio as well. Um, and in the framework of, of computer vision, there has been this uh, frontier now that has also only recently started to demystify what, what image um, AI is actually understanding. And that is working quite well also um, on audio. So what you um, usually give as an input to the machine, to a music AI or to any audio AI, uh, is most often not the waveform itself, but uh, the spectrogram of the sound, which is a 2D representation, which has the same dimensionality as an image. Um, so you can basically do everything you do on an image recognition, uh, also on audio. And then you can use something like heat maps, for example, that will explain you which regions of the spectrogram are mostly um, impacting uh, a prediction that your network is giving you. Um, so by that you can find out, for instance, saying it um, in, in a way that is way too easy, but just an, as an example now, if I train my network on instruments where I have drums, vocals, and other instruments, that my, then my network will maybe, if it shall um, predict the, the drums, focus on the hi-hats mainly because that is what separates, uh, separates it from the other instruments most. Because it's another frequency range that is not covered by the other instruments maybe, and that is what it actually learns from it. 
Roman, look, it, it looks like we're we're coming up to time. Um, so look, you're listening to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Today's guest was Roman, who's the head of data science at Cyanide.ai. Roman, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you for being a guest. Thanks a lot for having me. AI in Action is brought to you by Aulus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aulus offer an exec search program. Aulus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. For more information, contact mark at aldus.com. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.